You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, Bills Mafia? Happy Monday evening. Welcome to another episode of the Shout Football Podcast covering your Buffalo Bills. It's our second straight week now since training camp started. We're going to be doing these Monday mini podcasts. And Ryan, it, it just so happens that we have quite a bit to dive into. Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott with their introductory training camp press conferences yesterday. Jordan Poyer, Josh Allen today. And then, oh, by the way, we have ourselves a new offensive lineman that we all get to talk about and dive into. How are you, my friend? Hey, I'm doing well. You're right. Plenty to talk about with this Bills team. So the Bills, if you haven't heard quite yet, uh, have signed Brian Winters, who was unceremoniously released yesterday by the New York Jets. Uh, So very uh, Brandon Bean-like signing. Go out there and get yourself uh, a division rivals, uh, you know, trash for lack of a better term. I mean, they, they kicked him to the curb yesterday, but a lot of that had to do with the fact that he's owed seven and a half million dollars this season. They can recoup that entire amount. Uh, there's no dead cap hit on the release. So it made a little bit of sense. I was actually reading some New York writers who said um, they were expecting this to happen earlier in the off season, that they were surprised that it took them this long, but I think they probably wanted to get through, maybe get their guys in the building, get it, get a read on the offensive line and then go from there. But for the bills, John Feliciano, uh, their starting right guard, 16 games last year. He suffered a torn pectoral muscle uh, while training just to get into the building, get himself back into shape after suffering uh, a rotator cuff injury last year. Uh, So, you know, he was on the verge of coming back, suffered the injury, going to be out two to three months. So Brandon Bean goes out there, gets himself a a, a new uh, guy to throw in the mix, the competition, because I don't know what you think about this, Ryan, but I think this is a guy that will compete but I don't think I'm really ready to hand him the right guard job just quite yet. No, and I agree with that. I I will say that once we see the terms of his contract, I think that'll give us a better feeling on whether or not he's going to be maybe not handed the job, but maybe the favorite for the job. If the Bills signed him to a a decent deal or or maybe it's going to be incentive laden, who knows? Uh, I think we'll have a better uh, grasp of it there. But that's one thing I'm really interested in because maybe he just signed for the, the vet minimum or maybe he signed for something low just so he could stay within the division and kind of maybe stick it to his former team. 
But uh, upon the signing, you know, it was kind of deja vu all over again with that Spencer Long signing from a year ago. Same type of deal where the Jets let him go because, again, it was one of those situations where uh, it, it was based on the amount of money that he was going to be receiving. And the same thing here. They didn't feel comfortable paying Winters that much money, $7.5 as you mentioned. So now the Bills at least bring in some more competition, whether it's Long, whether it's going to be Daryl Williams, who knows. But it, you're right. It, he's not going to be handed the starting job, first and foremost. Uh, and second, it doesn't mean that he's going to keep the job when John Feliciano returns. Yeah, and I think that what this does is, you know, for Brandon Bean, who's such a great tactician when it comes to approaching a season, uh, building the roster in the offseason, then and giving yourself some flexibility in terms of how you want to manipulate that roster once you get towards things. It's a little bit different this year because we're dealing with no preseason games, a very shortened training camp situation, two weeks basically uh, of, of practices for, for them to evaluate what they want to do here. But there's plenty of um, overflowing talent that I think teams around the league, depending on what happens with COVID and also what happens just with, you know, needs, injuries, like wanting to fill certain holes. I mean, if Brandon Bean now wants to turn around uh, and maybe trade uh, an offensive lineman to bring back an asset, he's now created himself, created even more depth uh, along that offensive line because, you know, you get, you bring Feliciano back in, in three months, you figure. He has some some real great position flexibility, which they love. And and Brian Winters has have, had experience playing on the right and left side, predominantly the right side the last couple of years. But everywhere you look on this offensive line, there's there's depth and versatility, and that's never a bad thing. No, never. And there's probably going to be one or two people that get traded close to the regular season, just like last year where, where Bean was able to work that magic. You know, what, what's really interesting to me is that the Bills wasted no time in making this signing. And Brandon Bean laid it out yesterday, the, the timelines for how this works with new players. You know, even though they've signed Brian Winters, we're probably talking about, what, five days before he can even step foot into the building between having to have the COVID tests and, and everything else. Uh, you know, it, it's an official move, but we're still not going to see him at, at one Bill's drive here for at least a few days, probably closer to a week. So... Yesterday, like we mentioned, Bean and McDermott uh, with their press conferences, and it was pretty much more of the same from the two of them as it as it go as it goes with you know dealing with uh, this season and this shortened training camp. Yeah, you'll hear some background noises. Uh, my kids are playing in the background, but um, this shortened season and what that means for you know practices. I mean. It, Sean said it 500 plus reps that, that that players are going to miss no preseason games to get ready. And Jordan Boyer, who's a veteran spoke today about, yeah, it's, it's still going to stink a little bit not to have a preseason game. to maybe, you know, knock a little bit of the rust off because the only real, uh, practices that they're going to have or, or dress rehearsals, I should say, are those training camp potential scrimmages and, and and some of the things that Brandon Bean talked about and I want to talk about Cody Ford in a minute but one of the thing things that I thought was interesting from Brandon's um, uh, press conference was talking about what the Bills are going to have to do to create those situations where they can evaluate their players so whether it be you know you know, maybe putting their heads together as a coaching staff. Sean talked about this too, about devising ways to make it feel like a game. But at the end of the day, like Jordan said, it's going to be the Bills versus the Bills. It's not going to be quite the same. So I think that there's there's a lot missing in that week one game against the Jets could be uh, a bit sloppy, uh, putting it 
uh, nicely. Yeah, I, I think that's fair to say uh, because, again, Jordan Poyer was talking about tackling today and, and how what used to take four weeks might take eight weeks now. And, you know, no offense to the Bills, but I think tackling was one of their weaknesses at times last year. You go back and look at, like, that Eagles game and things like that. Poor tackling uh, led to some of those losses. So that's going to be interesting to see. But, you know, on the same side, think about all the moves that the Bills made this offseason. They're not going to be depending on a lot of inexperienced players, a lot of rookies. They have a lot of veterans in the building, a lot of players that came from Sean McDermott's system in Carolina. Uh, the biggest move that they made this offseason, obviously, trading for Stephon Diggs. They're not depending on a, a rookie wide receiver to, to fill those reps. So, you know, at least the, the Bills kind of maybe saw a little bit ahead of time what could happen. And that's why a lot of these moves that they made a few months ago could really pay dividends, especially when you look at the, the landscape now and you look at the AFC East and the opt-outs on the Jets and the Jamal Adams trading, the eight Patriots that have already opted out. You know, all of a sudden, things are looking to be in, in, in Buffalo's favor once again. But there's going to be those situations, like you mentioned, where the Bills are not going to be heading into week one with with a full preseason, the only silver lining there is every team is in the same boat uh, as the Bills in that situation. One hundred percent. Going into today, I think one of the big takeaways that we had from Sunday, and even early this morning when Sean McDermott appeared on uh, WGR five fifty to uh, talk with Howard Simon and Jeremy White. Uh, was the potential of maybe Cody Ford uh, moving inside and, and where maybe his best fit in year two would be. I mean, we're you know more than a year removed from when the Bills drafted Cody Ford, and I think a lot of the questions right off the bat were, okay, where is this guy going to fit in? And, you know, Brandon Bean, I remember the day, the night of the draft, did say that they envisioned him long-term as a right tackle. And I think that this move in a lot of ways continues to um, – you know, uh, reinforce the fact that I think even though the dialogue coming from the team, even to this day, a year later has been, you know, position flexibility, we'll try him at guard, maybe we'll try him at tackle, we'll see. I still think long-term they see him as a right tackle. And now you you see Winters thrown into the mix, even with, without Feliciano. You have Daryl Williams who could play, you know, right guard, who I think played at right guard more than any other position last year, maybe left guard, one of the guard spots. Uh, you have Spencer Long, who was there last year, has a little bit of experience at center too. Um, Evan Bame, who could play guard. Ike Bucker, who can play guard. Even Ty Inseki, who a lot of people think of as, as a swing tackle. He has played some guard uh, in the past for the, for the Washington football team. So I think that this move to me tells me that while I wouldn't completely throw out the idea of Cody Ford, you know, getting some reps at right guard and them trying it out. What it tells me is that I think they really, really want to give him another go at right tackle. Yeah. What a difference about 10 hours makes WGR this morning. Sean McDermott uh, was asked about Cody Ford in terms of playing. Is he a guard or is he a tackle? And he said, you know, that's a good question. He couldn't really answer that. But like you said, I think this winter's signing kind of speaks to the depth that they already had at the position and now the the further talent that they've added, I think that's a good sign for Ford in terms of playing right tackle this year. And, and I think the Bills would have been foolish to maybe abandon the right tackle possibility tier a little bit too soon. Let him see what he has, especially early on in the season. I, I would like to see him play the entire second season at, at right tackle before you make any, uh, I, I guess I would say, before you kind of judge him too soon because you have to remember last year, 
He was in the college playoffs. Then all the, you're going into the, the pro days. You're going into the visits. You're going into uh, a, a lot of the workouts and things like that. So he never really had a true offseason. He, he was injured this year at the end of the year at surgery. Uh, but you're, you're going to probably see a much different Cody Ford, in my opinion, in year two versus year one. He knows about the speed of the game. He's experienced that now. He knows uh, maybe what he needed to work on the most at that tackle position. I'm guessing that's what he's really put that time and effort into this offseason. So don't rush the judgment. Give him the second season at right tackle before you kick him inside or think about doing it. But you're right. I mean, there still might be some snaps where he gets thrown in there, especially if they're confident in, in Daryl Williams and Ty Insecki. Uh, possibly playing right tackle. But uh, again, I think this is good news for Cody Ford in terms of that Brian Winter signing. Uh, if you are watching, this is a uh, available to you on Facebook or YouTube, wherever you are watching live. We really appreciate it. This is the Shout uh, Football Podcast covering the Buffalo Bills. He's Ryan Talbot. I am Matt Perino. Uh, we've been we're introducing our Monday mini pods. We'll be on here for about 20, 30 minutes every Monday, uh, just to react to whatever's going on around the Bills. And then Wednesday is still going to be our big live show, and we have. One heck of a guest this week, Joe Biscalia from The Athletic, is going to come on here. We're going to dive into the training to training camp. Uh, as things get kind of ratcheted up at, at One Bills Drive, you, you've seen some pictures tweeted out from the Bills today. Josh Allen uh, throwing the ball to Stefan Diggs a little bit. I'm sure we're going to start to see videos coming up. But if you have a question or you want anything specifically covered in these on these mini pods or even on Wednesday nights, I try to do my best to kind of follow along in the comments section. Forgive me if we don't get it to, to anything. And if I ever don't get any, any, anything, Definitely hit up Ryan and myself in our DMs. Let me know. We'll, we're always open to chat about the Bills. John, I got a, I got your question up here. My man uh, watching over on Facebook, thoughts on Vegas with the announcement that no fans in 2020. Well, if I had it right now, I would post a tear emoji because that would be me getting a chance to go back to where I lived for five years before coming back to Buffalo. I'm very disappointed. I wanted to get back there, but it doesn't look like traveling is going to be really even possible uh, in 2020 with everything that's going on in the country. So it's definitely a, a sad situation. And yeah, I hope everybody didn't have uh, their, their trips book because that would be a real uh, sad development. Yeah. So if I, if I read that quick, uh, re read that correctly, it said he already had the, the trip booked though. So he's still going to be heading there. Just not to the game. Is that correct? Thoughts on Vegas with you. Oh, I read that wrong. Still be there, my. Trip. Oh, there you go. Look at John. Get out there to Vegas. Okay, I, I don't. Take, I don't hate it. Hate it. Take those four hundred dollars that you would have paid for the nosebleeds. Head to the craps table. Play some blackjack. Maybe you can double that, or maybe you can even pay for that trip. You won't be able to experience that game in what looks like an amazing stadium, but. You know, try to have some fun while you're out there, I guess. Yeah, and definitely if you're going to go out there, uh, hit up Naked City Pizza. I know you 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 probably are going from Buffalo, and you probably get all the pe Buffalo pizza and wings that you can handle. But they're great Buffalo pizza and wings out there. The owner, Chris Palmieri, is an awesome dude. Um, yeah, John says it's going to be a vacation for him, so we're excited about that. Enjoy. Um, but, you know, we're excited about this season. I mean, we're kind of, you know, it was a little bit murky waters last week as baseball, you know, started to really struggle with some outbreaks. And, you know, we're just kind of the tip of the iceberg here. We don't really know what this is going to look like in another week or two. And once, you know, the pads go on and practices start, uh, but we had a chance to talk to Jordan Poyer today. And Jordan was a really a, a breath of fresh air after, uh, you know, a, a, an off season that, you know, has been. You know, when you get to the eight months of it without football, the last time we had to talk about anything football related, um, it was, 
Houston. So it, the monotony of the offseason kind of catches up with you after a while. And I thought Jordan today kind of getting back in the building, giving us an update on what this virtual offseason period has been like. And it just seemed like, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time over the last two years talking to him, but he he really seems completely comfortable in his role as a leader on this defense now. And they're going to need some guys to step up on that side of the ball. I mean, Lorenzo Alexander is uh, not around anymore. He was a big piece of that uh, of that locker room culture, leadership vibe. I know they they have high hopes for Tremaine Edmonds and, and different other guys on this defense. But I think Jordan Poyer is a guy that, well, I don't think he's like a necessarily a speech guy. He's definitely a guy that everybody looks up to, you know, in, in almost a different way than Micah Hyde, because I think he's a little bit more animated, a little bit more vocal. And some of the things that he talked about today, I mean, if you're a Bills fan, you probably love, I would definitely recommend going to listen to Jordan Poyer. And that's my dogs in the background. I apologize. Come here, Paul. <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, what we deal with uh, filming these things from home. Um, but, you know, I think that Jordan talking about, you know, what they did as a defense to kind of get on the same page, all these potential new pieces. I wrote about it on the site the other day. By the way, Syracuse.com, NewYorkUpstate.com, have it over there right now. We have a bunch of stuff today. I think we put up like eight or nine articles, something like that. There's been a lot to unpack over the last couple of days, so get it all over there. Um, you know, But the Bills could potentially have five new starters on defense this year. I mean, you figure Ed Oliver is probably going to slot in uh, as the starting three-tech where Jordan Phillips ended the year as a starter last year. Uh, Mario Addison has the potential seat, uh, Trent Murphy. Then uh, AJ Klein's probably going to take over for Lorenzo Alexander or whoever's in that role, potentially Josh Norman, potentially a new uh, slot corner, maybe uh, and defensive tackle. Starla Tule is no longer uh, going to play this season. So there's potential for a bunch of new pieces, but Jordan Poyer today said, listen, we got together in Virginia and it was like, we didn't skip a beat. Yeah, that, that was really encouraging. I, I really liked what I, I heard from him in terms of the leadership aspect, how we talked about early in his career. Uh, some players in Cleveland kind of took him under his wing, and he's kind of now doing that as he's one of the locker room leaders. Uh, but, you know, maybe the, the most encouraging thing, if I'm a Bills fan, is hearing why he decided to play this year. He said he knew, you know, expectations for this year were high and he wanted to be part of something special here. So he didn't want to miss out on that. I, I think the players in the locker room know, just like a lot of the fans on the outside know, that there are raised expectations in 2020, not just to win the division for the first time since 1995, but to make a legitimate run in the AFC. So he's on board with that. I, I do still love the leadership that they have at all three levels, uh, especially bringing a guy like Addison on the defensive line. Young, some young guys at the linebacker position, but you even have Klein who, who knows that defense well and obviously in the secondary. And I posted a comment up there, and this is something that you you emailed me about this morning, Poyer and uh, Poyer and Hyde, uh, and just the, the disrespect and maybe you know how underrated they are as a safety tan, and this is something you wanted to talk about a little bit. Yeah, he actually touched upon that today when he was asked about it. He said, you know, it, it's not for something for us to talk about to kind of bring to the forefront. He says that they obviously notice it. He'll retweet some things. He'll put some things on social media. Uh, and, and he even noted that things like that fuel him. So, you know, if that's what we need, if you need more bulletin board material, maybe it's a good thing that uh, a lot of these sites are, are going with the the bigger names, the, the players from uh, the, the bigger franchises, so to speak. You know, Buffalo doesn't get a lot of national pub, a lot of national love necessarily. So I, I think a lot of people are missing out on 
that Poyer and Hyde combination. And alone, they are both very good players. But I think it's it's the two of them together, how well they mesh together is what makes that duo so special. So, yeah, you know, they probably are disrespected in the grand scheme of things. There are some players that kind of are still getting by maybe by reputation um, or groups that are getting by reputation ahead of those two. But, you know, if it fuels them and it kind of adds to their fire, so be it. You know, one thing that I think really popped for me uh, during Brandon Bean's press conference yesterday was uh, when he got it into the weeds a little bit on the practice squad, because why I think the practice squad is so uh, pivotal this year, p- plays a real pivotal role in teams, roster structure and, and strategy is that things were going to change anyway, but additional um, adjustments have been made in light of COVID with the practice squad. We're talking about no preseason games. So a bunch of undrafted free agents, young players, late draft picks, it's going to be an uphill battle to make a roster. So, you know, with what's happened now, and we'll explain it a little bit here in a minute. I think that a lot of these players are going to have more opportunity as the season progresses to not only you know, stay on rosters and stay on practice squads with the with the additional spots, but also have a chance to to really play meaningful football. So basically, uh, practice squads, when the collective bargaining agreement was uh, agreed upon, uh, it was going to go up from ten players to twelve players. Right now, with COVID, it's getting pushed up four more spots to 16 players. And in years past, you had to have at least two years of accrued NFL experience. Um, if you had more than that, you weren't eligible to be on the practice squad, but they're getting rid of that idea for six players of the 16. So technically speaking, I used the example in the story today, you can have Matt Barkley and Jake Fromm putting it out for the backup quarterback spot. And you want to keep Jake Fromm because you don't want to take the chance that somebody's going to sign him just to use it as an example. You can then cut Matt Barkley, put him on your practice squad. If you're not worried about him losing him and you can stash him on your practice squad because you get six uh, players without restrictions in terms of NFL experience time to place on your practice squad. So I think they're doing the best that they can to kind of adjust for the challenges that teams are going to face and give them a little bit more flexibility here. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so valuable to have some guys that have legitimate NFL experience that can be waiting there in case there's an outbreak or in case one person tests positive that you're not going with an undrafted for agent having to promote them or having to sign a guy on Monday and not even have them practice with the team and throw them into the lineup on, on Sunday. Uh, you know, th- there's going to be some players that they, they can ultimately stash, but uh, the, the only part that kind of disappointed me is the quote unquote protected players. There's supposed to be four players that can get protected uh, on a week by week basis. The, the, the bills technically could choose the same four players all year, but Brendan Bean shed some light on that. Uh, yesterday where he said there's a 48 hour window every single week where those protected players aren't protected teams can claim them so you know going back to your jake Fromm, maybe Fromm can't go on the practice squad at all this year because if there's a team that says you know we kind of liked him we just couldn't draft him this year we had bigger needs they could try to take him and put him on their their main roster or something like that uh when i initially had heard about the protected player list i thought oh that that could be great a guy like Fromm could sit there the bills can't lose him you they could only go with two qbs so you know it's it's protected in a sense on a week by week basis oh we might need an extra defensive tackle this person's protected but no players truly safe on that practice squad on a week by week basis because another team could end up poaching them exactly and mark asked if duke williams could be stashed in the practice squad 
uh, still a fan of his size and skill set. And I, you know, I think a lot of fans still are. I mean, we, we saw, you know, I try to be realistic in the way that we approach covering this team. And I don't ever want to give, you know, false hope or, or, or even, you know, in our evaluations or, or our analysis kind of talk about a player in a way that we don't actually believe. And, you know, as much as I love Duke Williams and, and Christian Wade, I think that they both have uphill battles to make this roster. And that's okay because you know what? They're both, neither one of those are guys are draft picks. I mean, Christian Wade's over here on the international pathway program, just trying to learn how to play the game of football. Uh, but Duke Williams, I mean, there there's real potential there. You know what I mean? I, I think that the bills kind of got lucky in, in getting able, getting a chance to sign him and then develop him last year. Obviously I think he was thrown into a role that was a little bit too much for him in, in Houston, but he's a guy that, yeah, I think they'll be able to not only stash him, but again, continue to develop him. And, and that gives you some protection in case guys that you've invested in with draft picks. Now, Isaiah Hodgins, Gabe Davis don't work out in the long run. Yeah, Mark, I, I think that uh, Duke answering your question is a perfect practice squad candidate. He's one, he, he's not extremely young. Again, you're not going to put an Isaiah Hodgins on your practice squad now because rookie, a lot, you know, a good size, things like that. So Duke Williams doesn't have the age working in his favor. Um, he obviously had that CFL experience, so he has some experience. He played with Buffalo last year, knows their playbook, can be promoted or could be brought up on a week-to-week basis, and, and he knows the system. So, yeah, he's one of those veteran players that I think is perfect for the practice squad, uh, a guy that another team wouldn't necessarily poach because you're, you're looking for younger guys that you can develop, that you can kind of bring along with with uh, your team on a year to, you know, week to week, but obviously year to year basis when you're taking these guys off of other teams. So, yeah, w- Williams is definitely a, a candidate and a name to watch for that practice squad for Buffalo. Certainly. Well, this has been a great short episode of the Shout Football Podcast. We want to get on here, give you guys a little bit of reaction uh, today's, to today's signing. Um, I, I think it's going to be a, a few more days of uh, walkthroughs and you know, very, very slow socially distance install at One Bills Drive. Uh, so we're hoping next week at some point media will be able to get back out there. We'll see um, as this thing progresses. I think we're going to get a lot more players uh, this week in terms of press conferences. So make sure you keep it locked on the Syracuse.com, New York upstate.com for all the coverage from that. He's Ryan Talbot. I'm Matt Perino. This has been the shout football podcast. Make sure you tune in Wednesday night because the man, Mr. Joe Biscalia, over a hundred thousand followers, Mr. Bill's beat reporter, uh, extraordinaire is going to join the show and we are going to break things down. All your questions, everything you want to talk about training camp stuff, position battles who's going to make this roster i may now i'm not going to have my 53 man roster projection out yet i think i'm going to wait till right before uh the padded practices start to deliver uh that thing but uh nicholas asks is is joby still alive he is alive he is back from vacation and he's going to stop in on wednesday night we're going to do this damn thing so thank you so much for joining us tune in wednesday night we will see you then he's ryan talbot i'm matt perino thank you so much